My Little Echoes. I'm your co-host, Courtney. Hello, my ghouls and goblins. I'm your other co-host, Maddie. And we are here to guide you through the fall of grace and the fear of having no one to guide you through the unknowingness of life itself. With help from a fellow Iconian, Cora, who will be reading Sequence and Sequences, a poem accepted into our current theme dreams under our sub-theme nightmares. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to quickly direct your attention over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash echolitmag, where for as little as $5 a month, you can follow along with what's happening inside the hollow. Interested in having your piece read on this podcast? Submit your work at echolitmag.com. All right, now over to Cora with Sequence and Sequences by Aaron Shen. I wake to find the morning clouds bruising our eyes. Mother keeps its tunes that I forgot smoothed to one side a part of her, a language she spooned into my mouth in every second. Her coins lay unopened and sealed. I open a palm to gesture, but instead I stare long at the crown of freckles if the freckles are skinned. Mother hurries me over, telling them I was married off with bolded exes that were genetic yet. Everyone can have so much in a lifetime. After each word, it ends with a break, the morning air and me. Wheelbarrows lost again, like an embryo under the weight of my sonogram framed in subjugation, half-choked smile and umber braids. Mother cries in my arms to say that I am bowsy, she kept in her wound, and her eyes that I bask into mine scattered with her paycheck unlike the other months. Mom slips in a shaved kiwi, wondering if the green flesh will reattach itself. From a distance, we hear the whistle of a train while she greets our neighbors passing by. But in my fingers, I carry books and papers, marked. Mother tells me the exes led to evolution. In the beginning, I was introduced to the quiet, shh, sound. That sounded like a lullaby in the village, but this time, the screeching holt separates the strings that connected with my past. An interesting thing about this piece is that it can be read two ways. Here's the second one. I wake to find the wheelbarrows lost again. Morning clouds bruising like an embryo under the weight of our eyes. Mother keeps my sonogram framed in subjugation, its tunes that I forgot. Half-choked smile and umber braid smoothed to one side. My mother cries in my arms to say that I am a part of her. A bowsy she kept in her wound language she spooned into my mouth, and her eyes that I bask into mine in every second. Her coins lay scattered with each paycheck, unopened and sealed, unlike the other months. I open a palm to gesture, but instead mom slips in a shaved kiwi. I stare long at the crown of freckles, wondering if each of the green flesh will reattach itself, if the freckles are skinned. From a distance, we hear the whistle of a train. Mother hurries me over while she greets our neighbors passing by, telling them I was married off, but in my fingers I carry books and papers marked with bolted X's that were genetic. Yet mother tells me that X's led to evolution. Everyone can have so much in a lifetime. In the beginning, I was introduced to the quiet sh sound after each word. The sound that sounded like a lullaby in the village, but this time it ends with a break. The screeching holt separates the morning air and the strings that connected me with my past. So today for this poem, we are having an interview and we've brought in a special guest. Hi, I'm Elliot. I was in the Echo last year, and I'm Asian, so I'm here. <laughs> so we're really excited. <laughs> Among to other hear... things. <laughs> we're excited to hear his thoughts on this piece, and we just wanted to have a big conversation about how we made us feel and how we see nightmares specifically in this piece, because it doesn't outright talk about a monster I or anything. I forgot that was the point. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't talk about anything like inherently you would immediately think scary, but I do feel like the concept is very terrifying. So, um, 100%. Yeah, so let's just jump into that. Lance, what are your, I mean, Elliot, what are your immediate thoughts? Um, I think my immediate thought with this poem was honestly, like, 
the it was that thing of like seeing somebody get your experience but still not feeling like it's exactly right so you almost feel like you can't talk about it because mm -hmm. I think that this poem that this piece is about being Chinese because there's Chinese words used mm -hmm. and I'm Japanese and I don't have as much as uh, as much of a connection to being like Japanese as this person mm -hmm. seems to have to their culture but it definitely like hit in the way that like that ending where they're like leaving who they are behind mm -hmm. is like really it really hits especially for people who like don't live yeah. where they're from honestly to me that is one of the scarier things because uh, i've born born and raised in florida i uh, my family is probably from somewhere else but i don't have any connections mm -hmm. to it and i have felt the longing for wanting of a culture for wanting yeah. something bigger than i am and the idea of having it and being forced I, it, to leave yeah it feels like it's being teared away from them like they they don't want to lose it um and it seems like her mother is trying to like hide that she's leaving for whatever reason mm -hmm. like it's like oh she's just going she's getting married she's leaving mm -hmm. um but it's not like that and they're yeah. they're completely losing something they had hold so closely maddie what are your thoughts so obviously like Elliot, i can't relate i come from small town georgia so mm -hmm. like whatever but i have to agree with the hiding because like parents will hide if they're ashamed yeah and they will come up with any excuse oh you know my kid who was in the hospital nope yeah that didn't happen no nope. yeah. she was visiting a farm yeah mm -hmm. right and i think that like um obviously like i'm jamaican as well as being japanese and i think that the part that like spoke to me the most about this piece is the idea of like you're not supposed to be who you are we came here so you could be somebody else and you're not supposed to be who you are and you have to stop being black you have to stop talking like that you have to stop looking like that because the point of your grandma coming here wasn't so that you could be who you are it was so that we could be like them that we could be somebody else and that's what i get from this person like leaving like go be better than us because we're not good enough your family isn't good enough your culture isn't good enough and i think yeah that is the most terrifying thing like i feel like that's what the poem is getting at less of the nightmarish in the traditional sense but more of the underneath of you need to completely change who you are and have no connection to who you were or who your family was and we need to forget about them and just move on and i feel like it reminds me a lot of so i'm taking american history right now so it's in my brain <laughs> um when with the american indians and the, the recently freed african americans yeah. Um, they wanted to assimilate them. They wanted to make them act more white, look more white, try to do anything they could because they thought it might stop what was the racism, but it yeah. didn't. It was more racist, getting yeah. rid of their culture in all of those years. It's that the idea that it's up. our fault and we have to change it. You, mm -hmm. it's, you, you're experiencing racism because you're too much of the thing that you are, and you should just stop doing that and then it won't happen to you anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's not true, and that's a form of racism in and of itself. And having a family like generational trauma also comes to mind with this poem because the mother is like losing she's voluntarily giving away parts of herself because she doesn't want her child to carry mm -hmm. the culture that she has because she sees it as something negative in my opinion mm -hmm. and that's kind of how like my father was like he was born in jamaica mm -hmm. and he's jamaican and he was like the most racist force in my life constantly mm -hmm. telling me to change my hair to change the way that i spoke to not act certain ways because he didn't want me to be a bad black person he didn't mm -hmm. want me to be one of them yeah i feel like especially in the beginning it um i get the idea that she wasn't a planned pregnancy mm -hmm. and that her mother really wanted to hide a lot of it when mm -hmm. it says my sonogram framed and sub subjugate 
subjugation. Oh, my goodness. Such a big word. Anyway, <laughs> and then it says, um, with bolded X's that were genetic, yet my mother tells me the X's led to evolution. So it feels like it was at one point, she was accidental. She wasn't planned, yeah. and they didn't want her. But they're like, well, this is something, I guess it's going to lead to something greater. Like, it's going to, yeah. you're going to evolve. I think going off with that, it could also explain the mother's reaction. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't know. But if, you know how when parents are like, don't do the same thing I did. Yeah. Oh, I was such a bad teen. And yet they still punish you twice mm-hmm. as hard. For doing it. Because they don't want it. you to be like them. And they're like, we expect greater for you. And it's like, how can I be greater when this mm-hmm. is what I know? Yeah. This is what you taught me. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, especially because I believe it's set in China, I think that it's very possible that this person is female. And that, like, they weren't wanted because of the one-child rule. And they, their parents most likely wanted a boy. And it's, like, the idea of, like, okay, well, at least you can start a family. At least you mm-hmm. can go get married. But you can't keep the culture that you have. Because yeah. your purpose now that you're a mistake is to go fix it. Mm-hmm. I think, um, especially, I want to talk a little bit about the way the poem's set up. So you can't mm-hmm. see it, obviously, because you're on the other side of the microphone. But um, the poem is, it's half of it's on one side, and the it. other half is on the other, and there's a big line throughout the middle. So it kind of, to me, it looks like a tree, but I know that doesn't really have to do with anything. <laughs> but if you can really feel the separation, like yeah. it's, um, especially whenever you bring in the line at the end where it says, it break, and that is where that line ends, and then the next one starts the with screeching halts. Yeah. And so I feel like that really shows visually how they feel like they're being torn apart throughout this entire poem. They're, like, separate from something. Something's being separate. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of, like, um, when people say, like, a widening chasm or something mm-hmm. like that. It's, like, being forced away. Or, like, train tracks. It kind of mm-hmm. makes me think of that because of the imagery about, like, leaving and getting on a train. Mm-hmm. It's like your mother is on one side and you're on the other side and you're going in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's also so interesting that we can read it two different ways. Yeah. Because if we read it down the sides first, it doesn't necessarily make sense. It sounds and feels very symbolic. But when you read it directly across the gap, it feels more intertwined and that everything starts to make more sense. And it yeah. feels like um, you're getting a better sense of what she's losing. Mm-hmm. And you get to see. And then... Um, I really yeah. like that the left side, if you read it just straight down instead of connecting both sides, appears to be like her the version where her mother stays the way that she was and holds mm-hmm. on to her culture and the right side is the version where like they separate mm-hmm. themselves from it. Yeah. I like going off of what both of you it's also like, you know, when a fight or just something big happens, there's always three sides of a story. Mm-hmm. There's one side, there's the other, and then there's mm-hmm. the, the truth. truth. Yeah. And I think that really fits for this poem because of it being able to be read two different ways. You have one side, you have the other. And whether it's different versions of a story or if it's like the same part, if it's the same story but different yeah. parts, and then you read it across and it's the entire story. Oh, you oh, didn't see so my smart. face. I was I thinking like of a... the blank space being the entire story, but yours makes way more sense. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. You didn't see my face, but I made like a big gasp. Like Maddie had a really good point. That I is like really that. cool. That is really interesting, but it being each different side. So I feel like that's, you can kind of get to see the daughter's half and then how she thinks the mother is thinking. And then overall, you just get to see what really happened, how she experienced it, and like what this was for her. Um, yeah. And then I you okay. So if you look at the poem, mm-hmm. the very last line it says me, and then there's the big space, and then it says with, with my, my past. past. 
<clears throat> and the way that the author did that, I think is such, like, such large symbolism, but especially visually, because you really do get to see the separation of that she feels from herself and everything she's known before and everything she thought she was going to grow up with, everything she thought she was going to teach her children. Um, but now she's got to move on. She's got to yeah. find something new. She- I would like to counter that I think that the fact that me and with my past are both on the same line, they're both the last line, is symbolic of the fact that it can't be separated. Mm-hmm. It can't fully be taken away from... Like, both of those things are, like, inextricably mm-hmm. connected, and you can't, like, take one away without losing the other one. So I really love this conversation that we had. Thank you so much, Elliot, for coming and talking with us. Thank right. you. I think you brought in some insightful points that me and Courtney would not with our own experiences could not bring up with this poem yeah I could talk for literally ever so yeah. no, no problem <laughs> I, I really like this piece and I feel like I want to do it the justice it deserves especially it's a very visceral and yes. heartfelt piece and I do really mm-hmm. enjoy it and especially with somebody who might like have more experience it than I definitely so thank you so much for coming no problem bye guys bye, bye. Thanks again to Aaron Shen for submitting Sequence and Sequences to the Echo Teen Art Lit Mag. Don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash echolitmag and check our site echolitmag.com. To further stalk us, check the link in the show notes. This episode of Echoes Hollow was produced by Courtney Hodges, edited by Sonia Wiggins and Maddie Shook, and hosted by Courtney Hodges and Maddie Shook. This week's poem was read by Cora Anderson. And remember, kids, your tongue knows how it would feel to lick anything, even if you haven't licked it. What? <laughs> and remember, kids, your tongue knows how it would feel to lick anything, even if you haven't looked. That doesn't make any sense.